Hello, and welcome to another episode of the TV Avalanche Podcast. I'm Brian Grubb. I'm Alan Seppenwall. And we are from Uproxx. Today on the show, we will be discussing cowboy hats and in general, but specifically, we're going to be discussing the current season of Westworld. And then when we get done with that, we're going to dig into a little discussion of Justified because it's been like four days since we talked about Justified, which feels like it's time to discuss it again. We're going to do a character draft. We're going to take a little mail. We're basically just going to nerd out for a minute on one of our favorite shows of the past 10 years and mine of, of all time. And uh, we want to let you know next week is going to be a little different. There's only going to be one podcast next week, but we're going to be recording Thursday after the uh, series finale of The Americans. And we're going to be focusing mostly on that. So if you want to send in questions about The Americans, either before the finale or in the aftermath of it, that's fine. But no podcast until Thursday next week. We'll also be discussing the Killing Eve finale. So if you want to send in stuff about that, that's fine too. But before we get to anything else, Alan. Yes. People are really mad at me about not watching Lost. They really are, and we're, we're going to get to that at the very end of the podcast. But tell me what your week has been like. Uh, it's been fine, but every now and again, I can tell when people are listening to the podcast in their iTunes or, or podcast feed because I'll be you know, just minding my business. Then on Twitter, all of a sudden, I'll just get like all caps like, you haven't seen Lost? Like, Damn it, Alan. Like our our fr- friend of the podcast, uh, Mo Ryan, emailed me, exasperated that I hadn't seen Lost. So this is – of all the things we've done in the podcast, that's the thing that has made people the most angry at me. Well, look, I mean – you know, I certainly do some things that go outside the norm of how society and or pop culture thinks. So I can't exactly tell you, oh, you've got to follow the herd. But in this case, you should follow the herd. You know, I probably will someday. But man, like I I knew that that was a like a pop culture blind spot for me. But I didn't understand how angry people would be. <laughs> Well, you know, there's a lot of people who are still angry at Lost. So, you know, some of them are probably thinking, even if they're not coming out right out and saying it, good for you that you avoided wasting, you know, not six years of your life, but however long it would take you to watch six seasons. Yeah, and I, not wasting six years of my life because now I could, if I wanted to, binge it in, you know, a couple months. So yep. it's not like this big, huge invest. And I kind of know what I'm looking for, so maybe I'll do it. Who know, Or maybe I'll just let people keep fuming about it for months and years oh, don't be that guy i might i might be that guy. i kind of am that guy unfortunately oh brian i like i like poking the bear <laughs> I like poking the bear so uh what do you think should we talk westworld here yeah we're halfway through the season and we have we're up through the five episodes that hbo gave critics before the season even aired so this seems like a good point to to check in brian how you feeling about westworld season two so far uh, I'm liking it a whole bunch, especially uh, compared to the first season. The first season, I think we talked about this in our uh, preseason discussion of it, where I kind of said I enjoyed the first season while I was watching it, but by the time it was over, it felt very disposable to me. Yeah, it just felt, you know, we once we figured out all the puzzles, it's like, okay, those were our answers, and I kind of didn't. It, it wasn't a show that stuck with me like we did. But we talked about like Atlanta, how it has that that sticky feeling where it, you watch yeah. an episode and it hangs with you. 
none of that. But I'm really digging the second second season so far. What about you? I'm enjoying it for the most part a lot more than the first season. I've heard a lot of frustration uh, from different people whenever I mention on Twitter. Either they're having trouble following it more this year or they've decided it isn't worth trying to follow it this year or something but I like I just feel it works better as a TV show. It just there's there's more actual story going on, even if there's still a lot of mystery and multiple timelines and confusion and is Bernard in the future and the past or whatever. But the actual stuff that's happening with Maeve, especially, but also with Dolores and with some of the other things, there's there's forward momentum, uh, there's plot, there's occasional dollops of humor, amazingly. You know, there was Gus Fring a few weeks ago, which was awesome, even though the Man in Black storyline overall is not that great. Um, You know, I don't love it. I don't think it's a great show, but it's definitely a more entertaining show to me than it was last year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm enjoying the hours I'm – the hour at a time I'm spending watching it. Yeah. Which – and again, I wonder if it will be the same thing by the end as season one was where I'll be enjoying watching the hour as I'm watching it. But then when the season's over, kind of eh, because the one thing they're doing this year is uh, they're just paying off the mis- a lot of the mysteries a little quicker, right? Yeah. So the the Bernard one is still open ended. We don't know what's going on there. We don't know what's going on with all the hosts in the lake. We don't know. Like there's there's a lot of Bernard related stuff that we don't quite get. But a lot of them are. You know, the stuff with William's daughter, like, okay, got it. Yep. You know, we, we had this mystery lady. The next episode, we know who she is. And they're they're paying those off a little quicker, which is cool. The, the thing that's going on right now, I, there are kind of four stories going on at once right now, right? Yeah. There's Maeve and her daughter and Shogun World. There's Dolores and Wyatt and hunting for her daddy, the missing host. There's Bernard and Charlotte and the Delos thing, and then there's William and Delos and the immortality thing. Yeah, and each one of those are like interesting to me to varying degrees. And when they dive into like the Mave one, especially, and I would say the 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 last episode, the one before the one that aired Sunday, where we got into a little bit of like what Delos is doing with the immortality thing and. That I found interesting, but I don't know if that's long-term interesting. Yeah, I thought that was very effective, that episode and what they did with Peter Mullen. And it's very evocative of a certain famous moment from Lost, which you don't know about because you haven't watched Lost. But just sort of seeing him trapped in this loop over and over for decades as you slowly start to understand exactly what's going on. I thought that was really effective. And Peter Mullen, I think, is a great actor who I'm happy to see pop up in things. Uh, yeah, they're definitely they're doing a little bit more of a short game. I think they learned their lesson to a degree in terms of, well, if we just leave everything hanging out for the finale and the audience gets ahead of us, we're screwed. So they're not doing that, which is definitely very smart. Um, and, you know, like, for instance, the episode that just aired this week, the bulk of it was Maeve in Shogun World. And maybe we're going to follow that plot a little bit longer in terms of what the actual Shogun World story is. But it feels like there was just just an hour of Maeve having an adventure in another park, and now we're going to move on from there. And I think that's good. I think that's a way to sort of break up things. And here, here is just an entertaining story with some action and intrigue and a little bit of meta commentary because you know, uh, what's his face, Sizemore is reusing the same plot lines and characters from park to park. All of that was very good. And if we 
leave Shogun World next week, that's fine. If we stay a little longer, that's fine too. But it definitely, they're, they seem to be a little bit more focused on let's provide a satisfying experience this week with this story in addition to incrementally advancing whatever our mysteries are. Yeah, that that Maeve story was, was really cool. And the Shogun World thing was very cool in part because we see that, you know, my man's, I love that guy, by the way. He's such a weasel and a coward, and he's totally useless, and I love him. But we find out he's been cribbing stories and doing whatever. And, and But the inter- it was interesting because you know, we already knew that Maeve had the power to talk to the robots to you know change their courses of action. Then we found out she could also speak Japanese because it's in her code. Cool. Then we found out she can do it telepathically with her brain. And make ninjas smash their faces into blades on walls and make samurais gut each other in mass in a destructive massacre in Shogun World. And really, it, it basically – in the thing I wrote, I, I said Maeve is Keanu Reeves now. You know what I mean? But yeah. Between having that ability like the Matrix and between just having this uh, penchant for revenge and murder – like John Wick, they've really kind of just melded a bunch of good Keanu Reeves to get characters together and said, like, that's that's you now. You just do all that. And it made for an exciting hour of television. It was really it was fun to watch. Hey, like if you actually try to entertain the audience, the audience may be entertained. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. One of the complaints of the first season is a lot of it was spent on the mysteries. and A lot of it was spent deliberately confusing people because you're you're trying to like blow everyone's mind or whatever. And you're right. This time they're really just making a fun show to watch. And I, that's a good thing. Yes. And obviously we're going to find out what the, the agenda is and what Ford's new game is and all that other stuff. And maybe that'll be interesting and maybe it won't, but just week to week, scene to scene, moment to moment, it's mostly a lot better, which, which I appreciate every now and then they'll do some goofy thing. Like for instance, um, Bernard finds Elsie and Elsie has just been in a cave, you know, since midway through last season. Poor Elsie. That, like, <laughs> that, that's one of those things that me as a viewer, because I'm an idiot, I need more explanation of that. I need to know, A, how long she was in the cave. B, she's just been like eating protein bars. She hasn't had a vegetable in Lord knows how long. Like I I don't know. I'm just curious. It's not that I want the show to actually use minutes of screen time for it. It's just I want someone from the show to come to my house and explain to me what Elsie was doing in the cave for that amount of time. Just so yeah. I know. Like how was she keeping herself busy? Yes, that's certainly like a web series about Elsie's adventures in the cave might be amusing. Shannon Woodward is a funny actress. I think she could do some good stuff with that. Sure. So uh, of the various plot lines they have going on, uh, we both discussed, we said like the Maeve one is the most fun. Which one are, would you say you're least interested in right now? Is it the William Man in Black? Thing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the Man in Black present day stuff or whatever the, pre- the contemporary of the series is. Although who knows what – whatever. When it's Ed Harris in the park traveling around with Lawrence, that right now is the least interesting thing to me because that seems the most tangled up in this mystery of what the game is and what you know the glory or whatever we're calling it is. What you know, young William is Jimmy Simpson built at the edge of the park etc. And so it's a lot of like not much of interest is happening actually in the story. It's all teasing out. 
But the arrival of his daughter and the fact that she's played by Katja Herbers, who's an actress I like in pretty much everything she's been in the last few years, like Manhattan and The Americans and The Leftovers, that has me interested in William having to deal with his daughter will hopefully be uh, an entertaining thing. Yeah, Ed Harris is a really good actor and he's really interesting and he's really fun and he does all this great – fun might be the wrong word. Menacing might be the word I was looking for. (laughs) But he he doesn't have a lot to do and it's – you're right. It's a lot of talk about like – Ford's game and what does it mean and blah, 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 blah. And I really just don't care about that. I yep. do not care about the the big overarching things that one would think are actually the important parts of the show, you know? Yes. I, I'm much more interested in the the individual things that are happening, but at some point you gotta assume all of these things are gonna come together at some point, right? Yeah. And I I don't know if that's going to be any good. I don't know that I'm particularly interested in it because like you said, I'm having more fun like watching Maeve go from park to park and do cool stuff and watching Dolores and Teddy have a conversation that is straight out of The Bachelor and like all these things, these little things that I'm, I'm enjoying more with the show. But the big the umbrella stuff, I don't know how much I care. <laughs> Which is probably not what they want to hear. Yeah. So. Uh, so that's an issue. I'm, I'm also not loving the Bernard arc in part because that's also more mystery fuel than story, and it just feels like a weight. Like Jeffrey Wright is one of the very best actors the show has, and the show has a lot of really good actors. And this character has just discovered, oh, I'm a robot. I thought I was someone who built robots, but I'm actually a robot myself. What must that be like? That would seem to be like a gourmet meal for Jeffrey Wright to go out and dine on and they're they're not really giving him an opportunity to play any of it because it's entirely Bernard is unstuck in time and trying to figure out what's happening to him and that's much less interesting. Right, and a lot of what he's doing is continually discovering things and yeah. there's only so much you can do with an expression of wow. You know, it, there there's only so much you can do with that there hasn't been a lot of him coming to terms with it or him dealing with it, he just every episode he just keeps finding out new things. And it's just he he's a little bit like the smarter version of the Teddy character. Where Ted poor dumb Teddy. That's uh-huh. sweet. He, he's a sweet man. He's a sweet man, Alan. Yep. But he is just he is dumb as a rock. That guy, he is but every episode is just he gets his mind blown. Every 30 to 60 seconds. And you're just like, oh, Teddy. And in this what episode, he, get, he gets reprogrammed. And I, I guess James Marsden will have to play, I'm assuming, a much meaner, crueler Teddy now. I guess. I guess, which is, you know, good good for him, the actor, and good for the character. Because there's so many, so many, it, it, he's basically, it, he had been like Dolores' dog at this point. Yeah. Like she just like walks him around the park and, you know, poor Teddy, he, he thought he was the hero of the story, and now he's finding out he's just some some robotic schmuck. Yep. Um, all right, so we've now we've seen Shogun World, we've seen the Raj. Are there other worlds you might like to see? Types of worlds, types of you know past environments you want them to go to before this season is out or in a future season? Like a like an ancient Roman world. Yeah, which I think is in the movie. Oh, is it? I didn't see the movie. So. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie, but I read the Wikipedia page one time. That counts. 
That's almost, I don't. I don't really think it does. That's almost like seeing the movie. Maybe that's how I'll consume Lost. I'll read the whole Wikipedia page. Oh, all right, all right. Settle. All right, all right, all right. I don't know. What about you? Are there any other things that you'd like to see? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, Old West and Shogun are pretty cool. Um, so from there, I, I mean, you know, Caveman World would be kind of fun. I'm just trying to think of like ancient cultures. The Dark Ages world, I think no one would want to go to. So that that park is probably not very popular. Um, but you know, there's probably like some Zulu world, which is super racist, um, you know, that white people go to, to, to do a safari similar to the Raj world. Uh, I don't know. It's, they could have one populated with dinosaurs. I'm sure no one's ever may had an idea like that. A theme park filled with dinosaurs. That seems fresh and original. Um, all right. So why does Jurassic Park still exist? That's a great question. It's a pet peeve of mine because they made, what, three Jurassic Park movies, now Jurassic World and a second Jurassic World, and really, like, the, just let the dinosaurs die. Just, like, it's a it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Like, if you – when Jurassic World came out, you're a tourist with a lot of money, and you've seen the news reports of what happened in Jurassic Park. What in the world would possess you to, like, the, okay, we got it this time. Don't worry. Yeah. We understand. We got it under control. Which leads me to now wonder about these. All right. So Dolores has rebelled and massacred virtually everyone. Right. Uh, And admittedly, like, this is happening under a pretty short, you know, time span this season so far. And it has spread to some of the other parks, but not all of them. So, you know, in the Raj, they have also rebelled. But in Shogun World, people are still mostly acting out the storylines as written. So at what point does whatever the news is like in whatever year this is start noting the fact that like a lot of the wealthiest people and most powerful people in the world have gone missing while on a vacation to one of the Delos parks? Right. And it's not it's not just the vacationing people, the whole board. And you got to yep. figure like this company is obviously a big deal, powerful company because it's not just the parks. Even if we don't get into the immortality thing back the Jimmy Simpson, young William character obviously had created an idea for like an extra evil Facebook where it's all data collection and marketing and whatever. So you yeah. got to figure this is a multi-billion dollar company on a scale, you know, just huge scale. So the members of the board are all like billionaires and important people and they are dead in the park and have been dead in the park for a while. Yep. And you, you think at some point they're like, A – they're not showing up to their meetings that they're supposed to. B, none of their family can get them on the cell phone. So it would be wild if like the sixth episode of the show, we just jump back to Silicon Valley and it's like all these people running around like, where's Harry? I don't know where Harry is. Is he, you know? Yeah. And I just, I'm trying to imagine like them trying to relaunch the park in a few years, only now it's Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard or their HBO equivalents working at it. Like, why would anyone ever go to Westworld after this? Why would anyone go to Jurassic Park the first time? Because, I mean, I guess it's like going to the zoo, but uh, I have this theory. Like, whenever I see people who have dangerous pets, big snake or something – I don't want a pet that would be capable of killing me if the stuff hit the fan. And yeah. 
I feel the same way about theme parks. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go get close enough to a dinosaur that if an electric fence goes out, the dinosaur could just walk over and eat me. Sure. I mean, that's why I would never take my kids to Itchy and Scratchy Land. Right. Itchy and Scratchy Land. A lot like Westworld. Yep. <laughs> really? All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about this season before we get into a couple of the Westworld emails that we got? I think I'm good. I might. I mean, I might end up getting into stuff. That, something in the emails might trigger a thought, but I think I'm good to move on. Okay. All right. So our first one comes from Brett, who says, posit a world where Westworld is real, except it's only for recreating TV shows. Sopranos World, Justified World, Cheers World, etc. You can choose one of two options. One, you enter the world as an original character and are treated as such. Or two, you inhabit the role of a pre-existing character. So, for instance, you can go to Happy Days World and be Fonzie. My question is, which TV show park would you go to and which character option would you choose? Take it away, Brian. Well, that's a great question. And it's hard to beat being the Fonz in Happy Days. Yep. Right? I That's... That's one of those things where once you read it in the email, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's the answer. Definitely. <laughs> yes. I, I would say it would be fun to be um, like Roger Sterling in Mad Men world. Yep. Just there's really hardly any consequences for you. You just run around and get to be wealthy and, and rich and drink gin in the afternoons all day if you wanted to. Yep. Um, if I had to go to – like a Game of Thrones world, I I don't know. I'd want to be one of the wealthier people, not one of the people who is always stabbing people to prevent themselves from being stabbed. You wouldn't want to be Braun? That's amazing <laughs> to me. It's amazing. I kind of would want to be Braun, but I also – yeah, you're right. I guess Braun. Braun maybe Tormund even too. <laughs> being, Tor- being Tormund could be kind of fun, so maybe I'm wrong on that. Um. I don't know what 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 are you what are you thinking here? Well, I think I think definitely this is one of those cases where the question answers itself in that the answer is obviously once you hear it it's Arthur Fonzarelli. But um you know considering alternatives like Ron Swanson in Parks and Recreation World I think would be a lot of fun. You know, you could eat all the bacon and eggs that they have, you know, you'd be surrounded by all these wonderful people. You could do a lot of woodworking, you know, you could go out in a canoe, you could shoot, you know, shoot a shotgun. I would, you know, without being in any kind of danger, that would be good. Um, You know, it might be kind of fun to be Raylan Givens. I don't know. I mean, certainly like if I was as fast on the draw and as accurate with a gun as him and therefore could be guaranteed of not being hurt because I'm in a theme park. Like, we'll talk more about it later, but being Raylan Givens and being as cool as he is most of the time, that would be a fun vacation for me. Is there any show where you would like to just be yourself in the show? Where if it's uh, like a, where you could just go as Alan Seppenwall to, you know, whatever world? Uh, you know, Brett suggested Cheers World. I could be, like, the obnoxious Yankee fan who Carla hates, but, like, they indulge for whatever reason. Uh, and just, you know, swapping insults with the gang of Cheers. That would be kind of awesome. That would be kind of awesome. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to be, if I was going to go as myself to some other TV show world, it would, it would not be one of, like, the super dramatic ones. I, Halt and Catch Fire is one of my favorite shows of all time. 
I would not want to go to Halt and Catch Fire World because yeah. there's too too many emotions. There are too many things happening in Halt and Catch Fire World. I don't need that. Like the Jetsons, I would go to Jetsons World. Flintstones wow. World, I might go to Flintstones World. <laughs> but you would then have to push the car with your feet, Brian. That's just that's a lot of work. I don't know. Not worth it. Not worth that. The one thing I was thinking when this came up, and this is a terrible idea, but going to Simpsons World as like Mo would be a fascinating way to spend a week. If I could only do one week, it wouldn't be this. But if I had an unlimited source of money and there were unlimited theme parks that I could just do multiple vacations every year, I think I would go to Simpsons World and be Mo for one week just for that experience. But Mo why a, Mo? Mo is a miserable, you know, human being. Mo is a fascinating man. He's miserable. He's just he but just to be Mo, to like work in the bar and just do the things. I don't know. There's something about that that I'm just curious. I'm curious about Mo's life. Because we okay. o- we only see we only see snippets of Mo. You know what I mean? And he's always miserable and things are always going on, but I don't know. If you could what about you? Like if you could be anyone in Simpsons world. Well, I I would be Homer because you can again you eat anything you get away with everything, um, you get to hang around with Marge and Marge is great. Um, I would probably take Lisa somewhere fun. I would try to like be a really good dad to Lisa, you know, and or Maggie because they could really use it. And you know, and I get to do and say Homer Simpson things. Those like the Homer and Lisa episodes, guaranteed to produce tears. Yeah, there's so there's so many of those where it's like, ugh. Where Homer realizes he could be a good dad. The Simpsons, you know, it kind of because it's been on forever, 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 and we're on like almost year thirty now. Yeah. There's a you know whenever you they have the Simpsons marathons or the FXX channel will play the old episodes, and sometimes I'll watch one and it's just you want to talk about a show that holds up. You know, outside of cell phones or whatever, those early episodes of the Simpsons are. Like funny, but also emotional rides, man. Oh yeah, it's there. There's a reason that uh, you know a New York Times bestseller referred to it as the greatest TV show ever made. Uh, which New York Times bestseller would that be? Uh, that that's TV, the book. Um, you know, the hundred greatest shows of all time. I forget what our subtitle is right now, and the the hardcover is not near me. Darn it! Bad plug. Not a, bad plug. Bad plug. I set you up and everything. Ah, man, you should have warned me. That's not a good plug. I like to surprise you with plugs. I like to put you on the spot. All right. So our second question is from Alex, and it's very similar to our first question, actually. But I included it because it's kind of a, you know, it's it's a. This question lives on the same. It lives on a street in the same town as the first one. It is how amazing would it be if all the HBO shows exist in the same universe by all being separate parks in Westworld. This could allow Tony Soprano to ride one of Danny's host dragons. And, you know, I, I don't I know if I have a ton to say about that, but I do like the image of Tony Soprano riding a dragon. I do. And we've talked in the past about how I would like this is the way to revive Deadwood and like find the budget to bring all those actors together for this movie is you establish that Deadwood is just another part of Westworld and, you know, they're hosts and they're, they're acting out their narrative without even necessarily knowing their hosts, or maybe they become self-aware either way. Like you get Ian McShane and the others back. That would be great. Is there one particular like HBO crossover you would love in the context of them all being on the same Delos Island? Mm. Like Omar like to- meets somebody. 
that's what I'm saying. I would like to see like some of the younger kids from The Wire yeah. try to grasp the co- – like because you think about how much trouble they had grasping leaving their world of Baltimore. You know, They'd go out to the country for an episode or just blow their minds a little bit because they're not used to that experience. Well, I say put them in the Delos theme parks and break the barriers and let them wander around into the Westworld part. And just give me that episode. <laughs> uh, give me, give me, give me Dookie and Michael and, and the whole crew. Oh, Randy, oh, Rand, Randy deserves better than what he got, and I don't know that Westworld is a lot better, but it might be slightly better. Yeah, Randy. God, now I'm sad again. See, well, you're the one who brought up the kids. I was at least talking about Omar. Damn it! I have no one to blame but myself. I did this to myself. You're gonna help me, Sergeant Carver. You're gonna help uh, me. You're gonna look out for me. I was devastating. Yep, yep, yep. That's one of those things where, like, I have talked before how I'm an easy crier with TV shows, especially, like, happy moments. But I'm just an easy crier with TV shows. That was one where I just didn't – it didn't produce tears, but I was watching it. And I just felt like my entire body sink into the floor of a puddle. Yep. It's like, I don't know. Uh, what do I do? You know? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you better not have errands to run after that. Or Randy, you just go to you go to CVS to get cough medicine, and you're just like, none of this matters. Whatever, Robitussin. Right. So last yeah. week, um, I'm trying to remember why, but like we were talking in Slack about something else, and you dro- uh, we were talking about art, and you dropped in a GIF of Art Mullen from Justified. And I'm like, okay, I I need to go watch Justified. And that night, as I was looking for something to have on in the background, I think while I was folding laundry, I said, you know what? Screw it. All of Justified is on Amazon Prime. And I went back and I rewatched the Justified finale. And then I jumped to season three because I wanted to get up to a scene where we're going to talk about it a little bit. And, you know, Brian, Justified's a really good TV show. Still, today. Yep, it really is. It's I, I riffed on it on Twitter that night a little bit, and it's one of the good, awesome things about Justified is it's a great drama, but it was also a fun drama, which is sometimes mutually exclusive in this era. But it was both of those things at once. So it was sort of this complicated story of a man, you know, raging against his own demons and these you know labyrinthine crime plots and everything else. But there's also just sort of the day-to-day fun of, hey, you know, I'm a U.S. Marshal and here I'm going to go about and do my job for an episode and I'm going to go do this. And characters who say funny things and have their shtick and are cool. And it's just it's just a great world to be able to drop into again. It really is. And it's uh, – I wish it was a show that they would sometimes play reruns on television because while I can watch it on Amazon Prime or the FX or whatever – like anytime I want, there's something about, especially with Parks and Rec, I find myself watching the reruns just in the afternoon sometimes just because I still have that old 1990s, early 2000s habit of scrolling through a cable guide for something to watch and going, oh, click, even though I have thousands of options at my disposal via various streaming services. But yeah, it, whenever I jump back in and watch one, I am suddenly watching two, three, four, five, and then it's a whole rewatch. Oh, my goodness. Um, all right, so we're going to talk about a bunch of things, but first of all, let's let's do something we haven't done in a little while. Character draft. Let's do a character draft. 
All right. Uh, I've got. A, we're each going to pick five people. No limits on major, minor, whatever. You just pick your favorites in order. Shall I flip the coin? Flip the coin. I call heads. All right. It is tails. All right. Damn it. Now right. look. Well, I, no, see. I don't know if I can trust you. That's the problem with the podcast is we're not doing this. There's no evidence that I lost this coin flip. You might have just you might have just done it to cheat me out of my picks. Well, no. See, but here's the thing is I'm going to go chalk here, which is going to give you a very fascinating option for your second pick – for the second overall pick. Well, let, All right? Let, let me ask you this one other thing too because this is something we ran into with one of our other character drafts and I want to clarify. Are we picking best characters – just from a dramatic performance standpoint, or are nah, we picking, we're just picking like, the ones that we like the best. It can be that that can be almost anything. Okay, all right. So if you like, if you want to take Ellen May first, I'm not going to question it. Yeah, you are. Don't lie to me. I mean, I might question it a little bit, but I'm just saying, like, if you if yeah, you've always had a thing for Ellen May, that's all right. You know, no judgment. Exactly. I TV criticize. Avalanche, I don't judge. TV Avalanche judgment free zone. All right, buddy. You win. You go first. All right. All right. Well, I got to take Raylan Givens. You know, the, there is no show without Raylan. There is no show without Tim Oliphant, the man with the hat, the man with the quick on the draw, just sort of his code. You make me pull. I put you down. Uh, like there's so many other great characters surrounding him, but there there is no show without him at the center of him. And he's just super fun. And this you know, relatively minor Elmore Leonard character who'd been a supporting player in a couple of other books. And then Leonard wrote a short story just about Raylan. And somehow that turned into this wonderful show. So Raylan is my pick. Yeah, Raylan's such a good character because he's both the strong silent type and also hilarious. Yes. We're going to get to this later. We're going to talk about like favorite justified lines later. And I was going through yeah. – when I was scrolling through, I was expecting to pick mostly Boyd lines. But most of the best – like they're hilarious one-liners. And you don't – I don't know if you always realize how hilarious they are because when Timothy Olfitt delivers them, he delivers them so – like such a cool, like strong cop way that you just think like, oh, that's just what he would say. But no, they're – really really funny the other thing we i think we mentioned this a lot we talked about justified we've done like 60 something episodes i bet we've talked about some one or some character from justified at a solid 60 percent of them yes but um he kind of because he's wearing the cowboy hat you don't think of it as much but he also is the loose cannon cop rogue cop out for you know he's basically that character he's he's kind of like uh he's kind of like uh, Riggs, like Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon, but just tone down the crazy a little bit. But he's still just as reckless. He's still just a thorn in Art's side. If if Art was the chief of police, he would be constantly complaining that the mayor's on his butt about this, that, or the other thing. He literally took Raylan's badge and gun a few times. But what I love is that the show, despite him being that – the show is always on the side of Art and Tim and Rachel about like Raylan being a pain in the butt and really, you know, probably not right about a lot of the things he does, which is an interesting approach for the show. And I think probably the right approach. I think at a certain point I might have turned against Raylan a little bit if the show wasn't constantly saying, you know what? The other marshals have a point here. OK. Yeah. Everyone hates working with him. That yep, was one of as, my as they should. He's terrible. Whenever, whenever anyone got paired with Raylan, they just roll their eyes and be like, 
damn it, Art, do I have? Because you're just playing babysitter, and you know Raylan's going to run off and do whatever the hell he wants, and you're going to have to clean it up or get in trouble. Yeah, it's like you have to work with Michael Scott, only Michael Scott is like the most lethal shot in the history of filmed entertainment. Right, and yeah. I mean, Raylan is kind of a murderer. He's a, he, he's doing it for the right reasons. He's a cop, but or the marshal. But again, it's one of those things where in the news world, if you would write this down, a lot of these characters, he just kills them. It's horrifying. But yep. in, in the context of the show, it's it's fantastic. All right. Okay. So I've picked. I went with chalk. I've picked Raylan. You now have. You know. You know, sort of a Sophie's Choice thing going on here. Because between, I'm assuming, two characters, what are you going to do? Yeah, incorrect. This is the easiest choice I've ever made. It's Boyd Crowder. Boyd was going to oh. be my Boyd was going to be my number one from the beginning. Uh, he's one of my favorite bad guys, really, in any TV show ever. But yep. it, especially, there's a recency bias to it. He's just wonderful. Walton Goggins plays him in such a wonderful manner. He's this super eloquent, brilliant criminal mastermind who at various points in the show is a Nazi and a man of God and a bank robber and an explosives expert and just has this he's a chameleon. He morphs from things. When we meet him, he's got a prominently displayed squastica tattoo and a cutoff t-shirt. By the end of the series, he dressed exclusively in like three-piece suits with pocket watches and it's it, he's an amazing character played amazingly well and one of just just a delight whenever he's on the screen. Yeah, the only negative thing I would say about Boyd at all is that like the show sometimes had to strain to come up with Boyd plots and keep them going while they were also telling Raylan stories and whatever that year's big bad was. And so when the show got kind of narratively bogged down, it was usually Boyd's fault. But Walden Goggins, as you say, was so much fun and so good as that character that I cannot necessarily blame them for just wanting to spend as much time with that guy as they could, even if it had no narrative purpose. Right. Uh, every now and again, they'd cut to him and he'd give some big speech. And it's a little bit like what we were talking about maybe with Westworld, where it's kind of in that moment, I'm fascinated and I love it so much. And is it serving the greater overall purpose of the show as it continues to build to our conclusion? Maybe. I don't know. I don't particularly care. I just want to hear Boyd talk some more. Sure. That's totally fair. That is totally fair. Plus, Boyd's character had, you know, every every bad guy in every show, well, almost every bad guy in every show, always has like a one last job they're going to do before they get out. And when they get out, they've got some plan. They're going to, you know, this plan is when they go clean, they're going to do it like this. And when we found out that Boyd's plan, big, huge plan, all this criminal stuff has been leading to, that Boyd was to get out and go clean and open a Dairy Queen franchise is <laughs> maybe the hardest I've laughed during any drama. Uh, there are a couple moments in Mad Men, but just that's fascinating to me. And I want, I, I want to picture a world where Boyd actually owns multiple Dairy Queen fr franchises and yep. runs them the same way he ran his criminal organization. Sure. Just like showing up at rival ice cream stores, menacing their employees. And we know that Raylan likes ice cream, so that would you know set up a, an opportunity where Raylan goes into one of Boyd's places, and Boyd sees him and goes, Raylan Gibbons! As would I you live like and breathe. 
God. I love that he always called Raylan first and last name too. Yep. Well, yep. Raylan Givens. <laughs> such a such an evil formal man. All right. Okay. So you've taken Boyd. I've taken Raylan. All right. Uh, am I going to do this to you, Brian? Should I do it to you? If you have to, you have to. Oh, uh, this is tough. This is tough. I'm going to take Mags Bennett. I'm going to do you a solid and take Mags Bennett because Mags is one of the great villains in TV history. Uh, and you know, the second season of Justified is the best season of Justified. And Mags and Margot Martindale are a huge part of that. Just sort of this great, tragic, gothic villain. You know, a crime boss unlike any that had really been portrayed in a show like this before. Um and the way she's sort of, you know, holding on to her empire and and the, the relationships with her sons, with Loretta, with everyone else, it's she is one of the very best characters the show ever did. And she's the reason that, you know, Justified was able to have that Hall of Fame second season. So I will do you that solid. I'll take Mags Bennett and not regret it that much. You know, Mags, uh, as far as performances go, I mean, Mags wasn't one of my favorite characters ever just because – the show was filled with these like charismatic, charming characters. And Margot Martindale's performance was awesome. And Mags, the character, was great. But she stands out for being great, not necessarily for having a million fun lines and having this all this. She's just a well-written, great character, great performance. Sure. You can't argue with any of it. It's And also, I don't remember now, was she the only – Emmy for the show, her performance? She and Jeremy Davies won Emmys. He won for a guest star appearance, I think, a year or two later. Okay. Yeah, that's – it's amazing to me that Goggins didn't even really get nominations. Yep. He got like one. It's very very upsetting in hindsight. I'm angry, I'm angry now. Uh, yeah, so anyway, this is super easy. Now I get to pick Win Duffy, so thank you. Yep, yep. Uh, Win Duffy is – there's lots of show characters on the show who have great lines, and Wynn has some great lines too, particularly whenever he's discussing his love of women's tennis. But Wynn Duffy is great because of his reactions, man. You know? Yeah. Just silent. Just something will happen, and they'll cut to his face, and he's just – and he's all – again, fascinating man, Wynn Duffy. <laughs> yep. he's, he's a big-time criminal, higher up on the criminal hierarchy – as far as like connections than Boyd is because yep. he's hooked up with the Dixie Mafia and he's hooked up with the guys from Detroit. And he, he's one of he's, he's like a cockroach. He's a yep. cockroach of a man. He lives in Winnebago, Winnebago. Thank yep. you. Watches women's tennis on satellite TV and just, he just shows up and he's a weasel and he's never really angry. And he's always a little like just amused by what's going on. And Jerry Burns, fantastic. There, there was the scene. Who was he with? Uh, Gary Busey's son, Jake Busey, was on the show and just, like blew himself up. Yep. And they cut to Win Duffy. He's just covered with blood. And again, just the reaction. He, he's been covered with blood more than any other character on the show. There's like three or four times where someone gets shot and they just cut to him. And he's got blood on his face. There's just an insane just- amount of violence on this show. And you need someone somewhere to react to it. Like, okay, this is ridiculous. Like, th- did that actually happen? And God bless us, we got Win Duffy to be that man. Yeah, and he got out, and he he escaped in a dog grooming van, and Lord knows what he's doing now. Probably the same things, just somewhere else. All right, here's a question we talked about a little bit on Twitter. 
were Wynn and Mikey just two gentlemen sharing an RV, or was there something more to their relationship? Um, I choose to believe there was, just because I want both of them to have happiness, even though they're both murderers and criminals and horrible people. But the the sadness that Wynn felt upon Mikey's death, it, it's either there's either some sort of uh, like romantic connection, and I don't know if it was ever consummated. You know, I'm not sure if that's the type of thing. But there's some sort of deeper connection than like boss underling. So either it was kind of like a father adopted son type of thing, or it was some sort of of love romantic related thing. Because you, Wynn saw many people die, people that he knew, yep. but Mikey's death was the one that really like hurt him. Yes. So that's my theory. All right. Okay. So you took Win. You've got, you got Boyd and Win. You're doing very well for yourself so far. I'm going to go wildly off the board now with my third pick. I'm going to take Boone. Hit me. Ooh, Boone. Boone, the the hipster gunslinger from the second half of the final season, played by Jonathan Tucker, as recently seen on Westworld. Like the show had a lot of great villains, and he was not like the master villain of that season. He was like third or fourth or fifth at most. But there was just something about this guy who, like, decide, you know, who's kind of cosplaying as a gunslinger and wants to prove that he can be better than Raylan uh, as the the last foe that Raylan ultimately has to defeat. It was just a super fun performance, you know, at the end of a show where I should have been really annoyed that they were bringing in new people at this point. But Tucker was just so much fun, and the way they wrote it in the final confrontation between Raylan and Boone, I'm going to go with him as my number three. Okay. Okay. Uh, this seems like a reach. Seems okay. like a reach at number three, but okay. that's fine. That's fine. Uh, then, yeah, now, here's the problem. This is where it gets hard because Boyd and Wim are such easy picks for me. And there are a lot of people to choose from. And I've got sure. minor characters that I want to go for off board. Yep. But I've also got some major ones I want to go with. And I'm going to go with. Deputy Rachel. Really? Deputy Rachel? Okay. Yes. Yes, because I want one of the deputies and I want uh, I don't know. It it was one of those things where Deputy Rachel and all the other people in the office had the right reactions to Raylan and when she was teamed up with, with Raylan, it was always fun episodes. Because she – like some of the other characters would get frustrated by him and she just really didn't have any patience for him. She was one who really just saw right through him and got a lot of good zip zippy one-liners in him. And she was the one who was the most responsible one in the office. She was the one when Art needed to step away. She was the one who stepped in. Let's go with Deputy Rachel. Yes. No, Rachel – Rachel and Tim always tended to get the shortest shrift uh, from the writers, especially when you would move into the second half of each season and it became much more serialized. But I definitely did enjoy how both she and Tim would get exasperated having to deal with Raylan. I wish they could have done a little more with the idea of her in the final season being the actual one in charge of the marshal's office and having power over Raylan and still being powerless to stop him from being his usual Raylan self. But Rachel. Okay, all right. So you and I have both kind of puzzled each other with our third picks. Interesting. I know. 
I know. All right, so what do you got for fourth? All right. Oof. Okay. Hmm. There's so many good names left on the board. This is where it gets hard. <laughs> there really are. Um, I get I get two I'm choosing from, and I'm going to go with, with another member of the marshal's office and the guy who started us down this rabbit hole in the first place. That's you know Deputy Chief Art Mullen. Uh, is played by Nick Searcy, <laughs> one of the great sort of disapproving cop boss characters of all time because he both disapproves of Raylan for understandable reasons, but also supports him at pretty much every turn, always has great one-liners, you know, him talking about having a Marshall stiffy, uh, just the, the, like Nick Searcy is so believable and lived in and fun as that character. Um, I would very much enjoy working for art at some point in my life. Yeah, art's the kind of guy who you know, we'll, we'll chew you out and give you a hard time. But then when you're done, go into the shelf and pull out the very nice bourbon and you'll have a, you'll have a drink and clink glasses and he'll tell you, don't do that again yep. for the love of God. And then you'll do it again. And the same thing will happen. Yep. Art. Yeah. Art is a terrific boss in that he's disapproving enough that you feel a need to like, not disappoint him constantly, but also is forgiving enough that he didn't fire Raylan despite just cause every episode of the entire show. Yep. Yeah. So, um, man, can we count Rachel? My pick is Rachel as Rachel and Tim. No, no, no. You don't get, you don't get like two people. All right, fine. Well, Here's the problem. All right, so we've gone through three rounds, and we have names on the list still like Tim, Ava, Dewey, Arlo, Quarles, Mikey, Limehouse, Loretta. Like there's so many good people left. Um, I I will go with Tim just because I love Tim. Tim repeatedly saying uh, – talking about various things that uh, aroused him sexually that should not – like the, the number of times where he said like, this gets me hard. And it's like, Tim, Jesus Christ. Thank you. But he's just – he's this quiet, uh, sarcastic sniper who never misses and he just sits around in the office and he – if you didn't know he was a sniper who never missed, you would think he was just like the nerd in the office. And then you take him out on a mission and he just totally confident, totally cool. Anytime he deals with a bad guy, just has that supreme confidence of – Someone who, you know, if something happens, he could handle himself pretty well. Yep. I love Deputy. Yeah, no, his his delivery, like, I definitely wish there could have been more of, you know, Marshall Tim. I thought that was a really good character who the show, uh, you know, took advantage of when they could, but maybe not enough. And I was very glad to see Jacob Pitts turn up on Sneaky Pete as well. Uh, I like him a lot. Oh, yeah. He's really good on Sneaky Pete, too. All right. So uh, I've only got one pick left and so many to choose from. All right. I already took Mag, so I'm not going to take Loretta, even though Loretta was great, too. I got to go with my man with the sleeve gun, Robert Quarles. Um, Neil McDonough, so creepy, so charismatic. Season three is like an overstuffed season of the show. But still super fun, and he is a big part of that. 
and he's sort of he's both entertaining but also intensely scary all the time and the payoff which i guess is as much a credit to limehouse as to him but the payoff to the sleeve gun gag is one of the funniest and sickest things that the show ever did so uh the carpetbagger quarrels is my last pick yeah this is i did a terrible job i i started out so hot and then when it got tough because I picked Tim and Rachel, and I didn't need both of them. I needed one. <laughs> because now, I, 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 if this is a sports draft, I basically – I've drafted – like this is like drafting two quarterbacks in your first two rounds. You don't need them both. You need one of them. This is not – this is bad. So none of us have picked Ava somehow, and Ava hit a man in the face with a skillet. Yep. And has shot multiple people while they eat dinner. So you want to pick Ava. She does make great fried and, chicken. Absolutely. Ava is a badass. Ava's pretty great. We also Limehouse is still on the board, and Limehouse is awesome. And in the small little bits he got is terrific. And I also didn't get to pick one of my favorite, very, very, very small characters on this show or any show, Jackie Nevada, who showed up <laughs> for one episode and was just like this foxy grifter who just like I just imagine she's out there now like hustling people on a riverboat casino. That that was one that if you would have made an entire spin-off about that character, I would watch it. Just just pick Jackie Nevada. You know you want to. For want the name to, alone. I want to, but I can't because I have to pick Dewey Crow. Oh, Dewey. Okay. Dewey is fantastic. Dewey is an idiot. Dewey got off some of the greatest lines in the show. Dewey uh all he wanted was to live in a very nice trailer with an above-ground pool, and the world would never let him have it. The episode where he thinks that his kidneys have been stolen is so wonderful. Yeah. I mean, again, not to spoil, we're going to be talking about lines, but the you mean I've got four kidneys line, again, <laughs> is one of the funniest things. Or there's the other one where he's talking to Raylan, and it's something like, he says something like, you've got to stay a thousand feet away from me. I've got a restraining order. And Raylan's line is like, then you better back up. And just his face when he's like, oh, man, I'm not going to win this. Yeah. yeah. Dewey, every time Dewey realizes he has just lost an argument, which is every argument he's ever had, what da- the way Damon Harriman plays it, it's like it has never occurred to him that he's going to lose the argument, even though he always does. Right. At the beginning of every Dewey scene, he thinks he's got it figured out. Every scene he walks into, he walks in there just with an idiot's confidence, walks in there so proud, and he's like, guess what? And by the end of the scene, the whole world has just stomped him into the mud, and he just has to slink out, and it's wonderful. It's Dewey Crow is – he's a he's a terrible man, terrible yes. man. But my god, every time he's on the screen, like the scene where Raylan shoots a hole in his above-ground pool, yep. and it just – He's so sad. <laughs> so, so amazingly this sad. Is, this is an enormous value you've gotten getting Dewey Crow with the fifth round pick. Oh, my God, Dewey. Dewey, you simple, you simple idiot. Oh, God. I love it. And the, the funny thing is, then Dewey is the best. I love Dewey. And then we spend a whole season with the Crow family, and it's awful. It's the worst. Like, I yep. don't care about any of the other Crows. That Wendy Crow, maybe. But the rest of them? Get out of here. 
Yeah, oh no, and, and like, Ke- Wendy and Kendall were both pretty good, but the re- Daryl is the biggest misstep that the show ever made. And it's we didn't put it in the outline, but someone asked us a question somewhere. Like, we've already established that, uh, I forget what it was, but like, what role could Jason Statham play on Justified? Jason Statham would have made a much better uh, Daryl Crow than Michael Rappaport. His accent wouldn't have been any more convincing, but he would have been fun. Just have him do the British accent. Daryl Crow moved to Britain and he picked up an accent like Madonna did the one time when she went to Britain and came back with a mild accent. Yep. It's fine. Just let him do that. Yes. But yeah, Dewey, Dewey's the best. And you know what? Like I said, none of us picked Ava. None of us picked Arlo. Nope. Uh, Stephen Root's character, Judge the Hammer Reardon. Nobody picked yeah, yeah, him. Which is basically them doing Maximum Bob without, you know, none of us picked like Karen Sisko appearing on the show, only not being called Karen Sisko. There's a whole. It's it's an embarrassment of riches that show had. Yeah, not picking Ava was a mistake. I like the me me getting both deputies and not an Ava. That's that's one that when when the draft grades come out. Yep. Get it getting uh boy getting Boyd, Wynn, and Dewey, I feel strong about. I only needed one of those marshals. Yep, yep. Well I got I got Raylan, I got Mags, I got Quarrels, I got Art, and then I got my wild card and Boone. I feel pretty good about my team. Yeah, you got you got a solid team. I, I, well, you, you know what's funny? We talked about this for a while. No one mentioned Winona, not even once. Uh, she's she's fine. Winona's fine. Like at the, I, again, I jumped to season three, and in season three, she and Raylan are back together again for a while. And Natalie Z and Timothy Oliphant have nice chemistry. And when she's not just like disapproving of Raylan in that role that eventually every cable wife has to do, she's a perfectly good character. She's just really peripheral to the story, and it can be tricky for them to work her back in. And so she is at a disadvantage compared to virtually every other person on the show, other than maybe Tim and Rachel, and even they are marshals. What was her scumbag husband's name? Oh God, Gary. yeah, who Gary? Yes, God, that I don't know. I don't remember the actor's name who played him, but he did a good job with that too. Because he was one of those guys. As soon as he walks onto the screen, you're like, I don't trust that guy. That guy is up to something. I don't know what. I don't like that guy. And I was uh, like, Ham, Ham, you forgotten the name of Herman's Head star William Ragsdale? I never watched Herman's Head. I'm very young and hip. Oh my god. Mannequin 2, Mannequin on the Move star William Ragsdale. <laughs> mannequin 2, Mannequin on the Move. What a great what a great name for a sequel. Yep. Mannequin 2, Mannequin on the Move. It's fantastic. I'm All right. Remember, who's uh, who's the mannequin in that movie? Now now you've sent me dead a William Ragsdale rabbit hole. So Isn't it Kim Cattrall or no? Is no, Kim Cattrall's else? the mannequin in the first one with Andrew McCarthy. The second one, I think I want to say Christy Swanson, but I'm going to find out. Um all right, well, you you Google that while I read the first of our justified. It questions. is Christy Swanson. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I took out the first question because it's basically we've already answered it in terms of how the the show holds up. So let's let's move on to the other one. Well, just a, a quick note, like you making that Christy Swanson pull in that. I don't know if you feel that. I feel I went to law school and I remember nothing from the three years I spent at law school and the six figures of money I threw at it, but. I have just a borderline encyclopedic knowledge of roles character people played in small movies that are burned into my brain for the rest of my life. <laughs> and it always makes me think of that like uh, the Married with Children episode where Kelly Bundy can only hold so many things in her head before you know, if she learns a new fact, an important one gets pushed out yes. and she loses the quiz show because of that. 
that's what I feel like. I feel like all the things that I learned in law school are just getting pushed out. And granted, they're useless now because I'm using my law degree as like a coaster. But it's just that's how I constantly feel with this information. All right, so uh, yeah, so we'll skip that question. The only interesting part of that, well, the the question was interesting. The remaining interesting part was where does the finale rank on our all-time best series finale list? And I don't think we need to talk about it a ton, other than to say really high. Yes, it's what's great about it is a couple things. One, it's normal length, which is kind of startling. Like everything is overstuffed these days, and this is forty-seven minutes. It's maybe a couple minutes longer than an average episode of Justified, and they're dealing with so much stuff, and they resolve most of the final season's plot halfway through and then it's this long epilogue but it's so good and lived in and feels like it's bringing everything full circle and there's all these callbacks to the pilot and then the final scenes involving Raylan and Ava and Raylan and Boyd are just oh my god it's wonderful yeah we dug cool together it's fantastic the the one thing I loved about the film I loved a lot of things about the finale including uh Wind Duffy escaping in a a dog grooming van. But also, I love that the way the show signified that Ava's child is probably Boyd's is that he had the top button buttoned on his dress shirt. Because there, in real life, there's no reason for her to do that if she's not signifying that it, it could be yeah. Boyd's. But you see that and you're like, you see the top button button, you're like, that's Boyd's kid. I know yep. it. You know what I mean? Fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, my Twitter buddy, Treblaw, was hilarious. Uh, asked us for the best one-liner in Justified History. And I don't know about you. This sent me down a rabbit hole, so I'll let you go first because I could talk about it for about 30 minutes. Well, to me, there's one very clear answer. That's uh, There's so many great one-liners, and we can talk about a lot of them. But the single best line in the entire run of the show has to be, next one's coming faster. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's got to be it. When, when he throws the bullet at Win Duffy and then announces the next one's coming faster. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's fantastic. Great piece of writing, and it's just makes one of the things that makes Raylan one of the coolest characters you'll ever see on television. What I love about it is it's both the coolest thing he ever says and does, and also one of the stupidest things he ever says and does. And it winds up temporarily getting him framed for the murder of Gary, uh, just because he because he dropped that bullet. And like that to me is the quintessential Raylan Givens moment in that it's awesome and cool. And you're like, wow, somebody just did that. And even the internal affairs cops are impressed and they say it's cool too, but it's also so stupid and so much like has so many unintended consequences. And like, that's exactly who Raylan Givens is as well. Uh, It's, it's perfect. It's not definitely not the funniest line that the show ever did. But just if I think of one line to sum up everything that was great about Justified, it's next one's coming faster. Yeah, that one's so good. And it's also – it's one of those things that makes me wonder if Raylan, the character, thought that up in the moment or if he kind of had that one in his back pocket for a long time or if he used it a lot and we just yeah. never saw it. If that was like his move, if he would throw bullets at bad guys, but next one's coming faster. Because we know he'd tell people like, you got 24 hours to get out of town or I'm going to kill you. So that's kind of the next one's coming faster is the much cooler version of that. Like if you if you've read a lot of Elmore Leonard, I would guess the answer to your question is either number two or number three. Either either he has rehearsed it or just like it's a thing he does all the time because he knows it seems cool. Um, the idea that he did it in the moment, it doesn't seem beyond him, but it seems a little bit more appropriate that it's 
something he had planned out for just the right occasion. Right, like I picture Raylan in the mirror, like miming a bullet, like next was coming. No, next one. No, I don't think he would do that. That doesn't seem very Raylan like, but it's fun to picture. Yep. All right, so I have I have a million. Go. I have when uh, Ty Walker was running away from him and complained that Raylan shot him in the back. Raylan said, "If you wanted me to shoot you in the front, you should have run toward me." Yep. Good line. There's, there's next one's coming faster. There's this really good one. You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the oh, morning, yeah. you run into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Yep. Now, admittedly, that's two lines because there's a few periods in there. But that's good. And I still think of that constantly. Oh, yeah. There's so, there are so many people in our world right now to whom that unfortunately applies. Yes. Yes, there's a... People talking to Boyd saying, I love the way you talk, using 40 words where four will do. Uh, Dewey Crow saying the anus is on you instead of yep. onus. But it's any of those things. That it, and one of the other good ones is Raylan Given saying, me and dead owls don't give a hoot. <laughs> That's wonderful. Just the, the thought of like the super cool character saying something that corny. But it's probably the line about running into assholes. I, I think that would be my favorite. Either that or... You mean I got four kidneys? God, Dewey Crow. Dewey, Dewey Crow. That's terrific. There's so many, and I probably missed a bunch. And, you know, I didn't even really use a Boyd one because Boyd didn't have a lot of great one-liners because when Boyd would talk, he would use 40 words. Exactly right, as Ty Walker noted. Or was it Ty Walker or was it somebody else? No, it was Michael Malley's character. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nikki Augustine. Thank you. It's, like, it's yeah, a time walker the- also talked like Boyd. That's what confused me. Okay. And there was another – yeah, something Boyd said. It was something like I've been accused of being many things, but inarticulate ain't one of them. Yep. It's like, yeah, that's about right. It's about right, Boyd. All right. So Justified, good show. If you're if you're feeling like rewatching or starting for the first time, dude, go to Amazon Prime and enjoy. You will have fun other than parts of season five. Yeah, and even then, there are also parts of season five that are terrific. So. Yes. You'll live. There are worse ways to spend, you know, what, 60 to 70 hours of your life. All right. So let's close things out. Um, as we as we we got to close the way we opened. Brian hasn't seen Lost. We have to deal with this. Josh wrote a very excellent letter. He says, I was surprised to hear Brian hasn't watched Lost because it rivals Zoo in the number of situations that could be described by baffling but alluring short buzz phrases or sentences. I prepared a series of non-spoilery Brian-style buzz phrases to pitch it to him as priority viewing, besides the obvious ones he's probably already heard from cultural osmosis. All right, are you ready, Brian? I was born ready. Let's say okay. it. These are things that actually happened on Lost. E.B. Farnham from Deadwood tortures a man with a drug-laced sugar cube. A woman sobs, I don't do taco night, to Nathan Fillion. An old woman calmly explains why she knowingly let scaffolding fall onto a stranger. Matthew Fox sinks no baskets in a game of horse to symbolize his depression. Hank from Breaking Bad delivers a message to his football star ghost son. This is a thing that happened. Oh my God. Billy D. Williams plays Mr. Lashade, the Cobra, and Billy D. Williams in the span of five minutes. A man is mainly seen in a series of instructional science videos with four different names and occasionally missing an arm. 
Characters pass around a compass that was never built. An episode ends with a man interrupting a game of horseshoes by saying a friendly, see you guys at dinner, followed by ominous music. And there are three different episodes about the past of a Nigerian drug lord slash fake priest. That That's a tremendous email. <laughs> that's like, that's so good. And honestly, that does more to make me watch Lost than anything you or anyone else has ever said. And I, I, I only hope that the things that Josh is explaining live up to his short explanations of them. Because like when, when you said Matthew Fox sinks no baskets in a game of horse, symbolizes depression, I it started falling apart. Like that's I'd forgotten half of these, and they're all so wonderful. <laughs> that's I'm fantastic. Lost. Hank from Breaking Bad delivers a message to his football star ghost son. God, <laughs> that's uh, fine. I, I I I promise I will watch Lost at Yay! some point. Just vindication because of, and it's because of football star ghost son and no baskets <laughs> in a game. That's tremendous. Like they're. There are things that I love about like uh, big prestige dramas, and one of them is characters playing sports, which is one of the reasons I love The Young Pope so much. Because periodically, someone would just be playing tennis, or Diane Keaton would try to shoot basketball, had the worst form you've ever seen in your entire life, launching air balls left and right. So, uh, yeah, you know what? Fine. Yay. I will watch Lost. Jo- Josh has won me over. Thank you, Josh. This may be the best email we've ever gotten, clearly. It's it's up there. I mean, I I don't I have a great memory, but I'll tell you what, man. That's <laughs> that that that's a, that email was very uh, convincing and good and funny. So fine, Josh, you did it. All right, so that's it for this week. Like Brian said, we will be back on Thursday, mainly to talk about the Americans. If you have overall questions about the Americans that you feel comfortable sending in before you've seen the series finale next week, write to TVAvalanche at uprocks.com or tweet us with the hashtag TVAvalanche. Otherwise, if you got a question after seeing the finale, you better send it in either Wednesday night or Thursday morning because we're, we're going to record this around lunchtime on Thursday. Um, so, you know, now or never on that front. Until then, I'm Alan Seppenwall. I'm Brian Grubb. We're from Uproxx. Next one's coming faster. <laughs>